All right, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Those freeways, though. A few of us. Okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to go through that. Well, good morning. It is great to be here with you guys. Uh, man, I woke up uh, this morning feeling particularly just specifically grateful today. Um, I do that sometimes. Those are the good mornings, right? Uh, but it's awesome to be here with you guys today. I want to ask you guys for something real quick before I get started here. I want to ask for some just prayers in your head. Uh, it's been a long week, pretty emotional week for me. And I want you to pray just quick, three quick things in your head, three C's that you could pray for me for right now. One, if you could just pray for me to be calm. I've been working on being calm when I come preach the word, okay? I don't drink as much coffee as I used to Sunday morning anymore, right? Sometimes you don't know whether it's the caffeine or the Holy Spirit. So I'm trying to make sure I have the good discernment and not drink. Hey, God works through caffeine. Okay, so be calm. Uh, second thing, if you could pray for me in your head real quick, is to be conversational. Uh, be conversational. I understand I'm in a, uh, a way younger place in life than most of the people in this room, and so I really don't have life experience that a lot of you do, and so I want to converse about the things we read about in Scripture together. And last, I want to be convicted. Convicted. I want to be convicted about the things I bring before you guys, and that's really important. So the three C's, calm, conversational, and convicted. Go ahead and just say a quick word of prayer for me in your head, and we'll have a great morning this morning. Uh, I got some good news. Can I share some good news with you guys this morning? I'm going to share some good news. Uh, there's a lot of things I'm fired up about. I think what I woke up this morning uh, just feeling grateful for is our family here. Felt very grateful for our family here. Showed up to church today. And I'm so grateful I saw Carly Lloyd uh, raising money to go to Africa and serve by selling some breakfast burritos. That's encouraging. That's good news. Uh, but I always get here every Sunday morning early and to see our worship team uh, putting in work uh, just to be able to lead us in singing to God. I don't know if you knew this, but the Bible talks about how much God loves it when he hears our voice being risen to him. And every week, these men and women lead us and, and allow and give, help us with the privilege of worshiping God. Um, show up here and see the usher team ready to serve. And I don't know if you know what the usher team does, um, but it's the things you don't really think about when you come to church every Sunday. And I'm so grateful for all the ushers that come here every uh, Sunday early in the morning. They tape off those back rows so I don't feel like I'm preaching to a scattered room of people, uh, right? They, they get the communion trays ready, and uh, they're just great servants. But I got some other great news. We, we're taking a little initiative here to use the technology that, as men, we have uh, 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 just rapidly produced in our lifetime. And so as a Riverside group, we now have our own Facebook page. Wow. Amazing. You're like, oh, that's not that cool. I thought we already had a Facebook page. No, this one says Dash Riverside. So this is us. Okay, not IE Church as a whole. This is IE Church Dash Riverside. And so if you've not followed, liked, shared, subscribed, posted on there, you need to do so by the end of today. Uh, the cool thing about using Facebook, I don't know if you knew this, but we as a church can actually run advertisements through Facebook, and you can find people who are searching in their search bar on their internet browser for a new church, a new church family. 
And uh, so this is something we're particularly excited about using and just reaching the community around us. And I'm not that tech savvy, so God blessed us with many uh, talented people in this church who are, who are going to help me run this page. Uh, but please follow it, interact, tell people you're at church, post things about church, but show them the family of God uh, through social media, because I guarantee there's a lot of people we can reach uh, with this. I have another piece of good news for you guys. Uh, school is starting up for the, our, our, our Riverside schools over here. And... Uh, they're like, Tim, that's not good news. Uh, it is, though, because uh, I'm so proud of some of our campus students, but uh, this year we're doing something a little different. We've always had our Alpha Omega Club, which we promote our Bible talks. We promote our midweek services on campus, really just spreading the word of God uh, through our club on campus. But we, we just started another club on campus uh, called the Hope Worldwide Campus Club. And this club is deliberately focused on involving college students in serving our community. And so this club is sponsored by Hope Worldwide, but ran by college students in this room right now. And so what's so cool about that is, man, there's a lot of people out there that aren't really interested in church. They're not really interested in coming into a Bible talk, but they're interested in serving the community. And what better way to show people the love of Christ than one of his most valued ministry, which is serving those who are in need. And so this is something the South Campus Ministry is going to be particularly focused on in their campuses uh, through Hope Worldwide. So we're super encouraged about that. Uh, real quick, I just want to point out those. If you help start this club or you are, uh, you are part of making this happen, you and stand on up from the campus ministry uh, so we can acknowledge you real quick. All right, and some of them are in Kids Kingdom right now. But that's Jodell and Ian, and they're going to help us out in uh, starting this club. It's going to be awesome. That's my good news. I hope you're encouraged. You know, Rich did an amazing job last week. Uh, you know, I feel like he, with his energy, uh, preached a word about the parable of the lost coin. It inspired me to go and study some different parables. And uh, so I'm excited for what we're going to talk about tonight or today. Uh, the title of my lesson today is At His Feet. At His Feet. And if you could turn your Bible with me to Luke 10. Luke 10. I want to. Before we get started here, I want to share a little story with you guys. I shared this with the campus ministry on Wednesday, uh, but something really embarrassing happened to me this week. Really embarrassing. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I don't do good with awkward situations, so I don't know if I handled it the best. But uh, I was walking to Starbucks, okay? Uh, Starbucks is like my office, so I walked there. And uh, I was walking there, and you know... Um, this woman was at the bus stop, or a young lady, she was at the bus stop, and uh, she stopped me. She said, excuse me, sir. She asked me about the bus schedule. I said, I'm sorry, I don't really know a lot about the bus, but I can, I can look up the bus schedule for you on my phone. So I did. I looked it up and gave her information, and she was kind of like, okay, can I use your phone? I was like, sure. Yeah, you can use my phone. And so she's doing something on my phone. It takes a little longer than I thought that she was going to need to do something on my phone with, but I was like, okay, I'm not going to be weird about this. You can use my phone. And uh, then she calls someone, or at least I think she calls someone. I don't really know right now if she calls someone or she's just talking to nobody. But she called the number, she picks up the phone, and this lady goes wild on the phone. I mean, I can't tell you what she said because we're at church, but it was just crazy. And I'm standing there like, this is really uncomfortable. <laughs> she's talking about, like, threatening someone, and I'm just, I'm going to wait for her to finish. I'm going to take my phone and say, have a good day. I didn't get a chance to do that because she took off with my phone. She ran. And I, 
you know, I'm not like, I was just kind of stood there. I was like, I don't really know what to do in this moment. I'm not going to chase her down. My phone's gone. <laughs> That's it. I've got, I got insurance. But wow, this just happened. And she's running. She probably runs about 50 yards. And, and I hear chuckling behind me coming out of the bushes area somewhere on the side of the street. And this other young lady stands up, and she's recording the whole thing. And then the other lady walks back and hands me my phone, and they walk away laughing. So Wednesday night, I'm pretty sure I went viral on someone's Instagram. If you're out there, I'd love the video. Go ahead and send it to me. If you somehow get connected to our church. Uh, I love the video. I didn't know what to do. I just kind of walked. I was so embarrassed. I didn't, I didn't even, like, I just tried to push it out of my mind. And I told my wife later that night, I was like, hey, something really embarrassing happened. And I told her, she's like, that's what those weird Texas messages were. I was like, I had no idea what happened. I didn't know how to process it. Um, very interesting that happened to me this week. But today we're going to be looking at a story of some roadside assistance to a stranger. Go ahead and uh, turn with me to Luke 10. Just had to get that off my chest. It was, I had to put it online so someone can see it. Luke 10, we're going to be in verse 25. Go ahead and read with me. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, and do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by three robbers, or by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to this place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will be not be taken away from her. Will you join me in prayer as we uh, dive into the scripture this morning? Dearly Father, it is, uh, it is great to be with you 
this morning, praise you, connect to you, connect to other men and women who want to love you and serve you, and we just want to do life together so we can grow closer to you, God. God, it's been a uh, crazy week for me, not just on the phone scandal side of things, but uh, God, just in general. And so I'm grateful to have been able to connect and dive into your word in this area in a deeper way. Please be with us this morning as we talk about what it means to be at his feet. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. You know, in studying, just getting deeper and studying the Bible, right, you learn that authors oftentimes group situations together for a reason. Uh, It's not random. There's a purpose behind why the authors will order different things differently or state different things in the different uh, accounts. And and it's all an effort to kind of see what the bigger picture is. What, What picture can we see that's being painted about Jesus given these two scenes. We have the Good Samaritan scene uh, that's out on a road, and, and then we have the living room with Mary and Martha. You know, in, in the first scene there, you see this expert in the law, or as we would call someone, a lawyer, right? He wanted to test Jesus. Now, initially when you read that, you think, okay, this dude's just full of himself because he's trying to test Jesus, but if you understand the translation, that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's negative. It's, it can mean a simple inquiry, asking a question, desiring to know a piece of information. So to test, he's, this could be a situation that he's just simply trying to learn something or get an answer. And his initial, initial question is, how do, I, how do I gain eternal life? Right, Jesus is a beast always responds with other questions. I couldn't, my parents, that's kind of how my parents decide, like disciplined me growing up. Like I did something bad. Did you, did you realize that was a bad thing? To, it annoyed me. But Jesus, that's kind of how he responded uh, to this man. He, he asked him a question as well. And he said, well, what does it say? What does the law say? And how do you read it? And so the lawyer, the, the expert in the law, he states the law. Right? He says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and, and love your neighbor. And Jesus looks at him and says, okay, do that. Do that, and, and you'll save yourself by yourself for yourself. Just do that. And it says that the lawyer, it says he tries to justify himself. He tries to find a, a loophole in the situation. Now, I don't know if, if you're like this, but I think a lot of us can read this scripture and initially think, man, this dude over here trying to justify himself, what's wrong with him? Jesus just told you what to do, and now you're trying to hear what you want to hear. But don't we all do that sometimes? Don't we all get in a rough situation in our life or our day-to-day living, and then we try to walk ourselves through why we're doing what we know is wrong is actually okay, Right? Like when you get a water cup from a restaurant, like, ah, it's just like 39 cents of soda. It's not that bad, right? You try to justify yourself. So to me, this lawyer isn't audacious. This isn't ridiculous. I think we all have had encounters with Jesus where we begin to try to find a loophole, try to justify ourselves. Because I think in this moment, he realized that loving my neighbor is way harder than just loving God. So he tries to find a loophole and he goes, well, who is my neighbor? Who is, what are we really talking about here, Jesus? Talking like fruitcakes on holidays? Are we talking like Christmas cards, everyone? What does that mean? Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus 
No straight up, just a story. I'm going to give him a story here. And tells him this story about a man that was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Okay, that would have been a very main, uh, a very normal travel route for people at that time. So it's safe to assume that given the story, given the climate and the environment, that the main character in Jesus' story was probably a Jewish man. And along this way, as he's walking this road, this commute probably, he gets jumped. He gets beat up, right? Stripped, robbed. And it says he was left by the side of the road half or near death. Okay, and then Jesus continues the story. He says a priest, right, a Jewish minister, walks by, looks at him, and walks away. Walks on the other side of the road. Now, to the untrained eye or to the bare eye, that could seem what a jerk. But actually, the law, right, of these priests or, or of these elite Jewish men, they were very strict in, in, in what they could interact with. And interacting with a dead body would have, would have made them unclean, would have made them unholy to interact or to, to commune or to translate for God. And so it's actually pretty normal. That, that's, you wouldn't bat an eye at that for the priest to, to not want to touch a dead body. And then a Levite walks by. So Jesus knows what he's doing here. He's messing with the scene of the social climate to gear up to a point. A Levite, this is, this, this is the elite of the elite. This is supposed to be the most purest of blood from the tribe, of, from the nation of Israel. Walks by and does the same thing the priest does. And then Jesus goes and he, he, he starts and he adds up some of the most socially intense details to this story. Right? My, my generation would say, in this moment, Jesus had no chill. Can you guys say it with me? No chill. Jesus had no chill because then he said, a Samaritan walked by. Right? You, you don't bat an eye at that. But a Samaritan walked by. That's a big deal. Now, in, in studying the Bible, it's important to understand what the audience would have heard in that moment. To say a Samaritan walked by, that, that would have taken this man back. He would have been a star. Like, did you, what? Where did this come from? A Samaritan? I mean, the Jews and the Samaritans, they hated each other. Right? They, they, they marginalized each other. They despised each other. They were racist towards each other. I mean, Jews didn't really like anybody that weren't Jews in the first place, but they especially didn't like the Samaritans. And so Jesus takes this, this social construct that has so many layers, so much history, so much feeling in it, and inserts the hero of the story to be a Samaritan. A Samaritan. The Samaritan picks up the robbed man, Right, it says he, he patched his wounds, used oil. Now we're talking bougie Samaritan. I mean, he, he took him to an inn, paid for him, took care of him, make sure the inn didn't, didn't charge him for everything. He covered all his expenses, and it said he even came back to check on him. Jesus had no chill in inserting the Samaritan. And so in response to his question, who is my neighbor? Jesus looks at the man and goes, okay, so who was the neighbor in this situation? And the lawyer, he can't even say Samaritan. He doesn't even use the word Samaritan. He just goes, the guy that had mercy on him. Right? He can't even utter the words. He, he must have been so taken back by this situation. And he goes, yeah, the guy that showed mercy on him. And look how Jesus ends the story. Okay, then go and do likewise. Go and do 
likewise. Now, an expert in the law would have understood in Jesus saying this, that an expectation of the law was to do it 100% of the time, bat 100, never fail, all the time, no matter what situation you had, no matter what kind of day you had, no matter what you were feeling, no matter what someone did it to you, you have to do this all the time, every time, no question asked. That's what the law was. And so what this man is hearing, you want me to love people that are racist towards me, that marginalize me, that despise me, that live totally different than me, that can't stand me. You want me to to love them as my neighbor? You know, it's crazy even how this situation ends because we're kind of led to believe that this man actually goes and tries to do this on his own. Because it just says, go and do likewise, scene ends. You know, I would have looked at Jesus and been like, yeah, Jesus, this is impossible. Even with people like that, I mean, I have a hard time loving people who temporarily annoy me in the moment. And you want me to love even those who despise, hate, and and can't stand me? I mean, I already have some trust issues with helping people on the street now, so (laughs) this is impossible. And I was studying this and I was thinking, in all honesty, in all seriousness, man, loving people is hard for me. And I don't like it. I'm not like bragging about it. Like, it's hard for me. And I don't like this part of myself. I don't like that my first inkling, my first care isn't about someone else. It's not about other people's needs. It's kind of how can I get ahead? What can I do? How can I benefit from, from things? I even struggle with just calling and texting people back because I'm thinking, oh, I'm just too busy. I got too much going on and me, me, me. And Jesus, I look at Jesus and I go, man, this, this seems impossible. Impossible. And then, and then the scene ends. That's all you got. And then, we, and then we see Mary and Martha. So we go to this story of this Samaritan, this impossible situation to the living room of Martha, friends of Jesus, right? And so you got Jesus coming over, and I don't know about you, but if Jesus was coming over, I would learn how to cook real quick. I would learn how to do things around the house. Jesus is coming over, right? I mean, Martha's probably in there whipping up some, some hummus and pita bread and and making the room smell nice, and cleaning, and I don't know, whatever the house setup was, but she's as you would if the proclaimed son of man was coming to your house. And then you got Mary sitting at his feet, listening to him. And, and Martha does this really awkward thing that I feel like kids do, you know, like when a kid tells on another kid right in front of the parent when they're in the room. That's what I feel like Martha's doing right now. Like Jesus. You know? This kind of look Sylvia gives me when I'm not helping clean up. It's like, oh, snap. You know, but, but she, she kind of, Jesus, do something. Now, it's not just because she's not helping, but if you study the, the culture even deeper, it's actually socially inappropriate for Mary to be hanging in a room full of men, let alone be sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so Martha is awkwardly like, hey, get her to help me. Do something about this. And Jesus 
kind of simply says, no, I won't. In fact, you know, it says Martha, Mar- it says Martha twice. Jesus didn't actually say Martha twice. That's kind of how we translate it from the Greek, that this very lovingly expression of Martha. Mary has chosen what is right, and it will not be taken from her. This is confusing for me. Because we just got out of a story where Jesus is saying, go and do. And then you get into this situation where the person that's going and doing ends up actually getting corrected and scolded and told she's wrong. And the person doing nothing is in the right. I mean, to me in this situation, Martha looks like the good Samaritan. Mary looks like the opposite. She looks like the bad Samaritan. The you-do-nothing Samaritan. And so, so, so what do we do with this? Jesus, what do you want us to be? Because you say go and do, but then Martha's not right for going and doing. So, so what do we do? What do we do with something like this? Do you want us to be like do something Martha or negligent Mary? <laughs> What's going on? You know, oftentimes I've heard uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan preach from an angle of, well, we just got to love people who are in need. Work on that. Work on just being more aware and giving girls at the bus stop your phone more often and, and feeding the homeless. Just be a good, good be a, go be a good Samaritan. That's what you got to do. And that's not bad. Okay, I'm not saying that's a bad teaching. But like I said, the expectation of this is 100% of the time even with people that hate, despise, and, and totally disagree with. So, so maybe the message of the Good Samaritan isn't what you should just try harder at loving people, but Jesus, but Jesus is the Good Samaritan. I mean, think about it for a second. You and I, we, we were robbed, stripped, beaten, and, and left to die because of sin and just the evil of this world. And, and the priest and the Levite, the law, right, passed us by, having no hope to offer us. We, we couldn't be saved by that law. And, and then so for a moment, there was no hope. But then the, the good Samaritan, Jesus, comes along, the unlikely hero comes down the road and, and sees you and me and picks us up and bandages our wounds and uses oil and, and the richness of his resources. And, and, and he even gives us three days and pays for our expenses and says when he comes back, he will pay for our debt. That our debt has been paid. And so here... Jesus isn't telling this story so that, hey, go be more like a good Samaritan. Jesus is laying down in front of this man who he is and what he's going to do. And when he says, go and do likewise, what he really means is, hey, love like me. Be like me. Treat people like me. And if you can't, well, you need a savior then. You need to be saved. You know, I read the story of this Good Samaritan over and over again, I look at this lawyer and his initial inquiry is what could he do? What could I do to inherit eternal life? And the reality is, is if you could love like Jesus, then you wouldn't need Jesus. And so that's the interesting part, that the one who could have brought him what he was looking for, 
The one who, who could have taught him, who could have showed him was right in front of him and he missed it. He missed it. You know, as I was thinking about it, I think we too can be like this lawyer, this expert of the law. Right, we can look at Jesus and go, hey Jesus, I know you got the weight of the world on your soldier. You're out there, you're worried about seeking and saving the lost and feeding the poor. And so I don't wanna interrupt you too long, but quick question, am I good? Are we good? Am I doing what I need to be doing? I just wanna know and I'll let you get back to saving the world because I just gotta know real quick. And we can desire what I heard was called fire insurance more than we desire Jesus. Fire insurance, insurance from the fire. You think about it for a second, but we, we can desire that more than we actually desire the one right in front of us known as Jesus. You know, Christianity was never supposed to be about the Christian it was supposed to be about the Christ. And when we make it all about us, we completely miss Jesus. Completely miss Jesus. And Martha, so busy, busy, work, school, family, drama, your soap operas, whatever they may be, go, 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 do, do, do. You're so everywhere at every second of the day. Are my kids Christians yet? Why not? The church, I gotta do everything. And you're so busy, you miss Jesus. You miss the Christ. But Mary, Mary was, Mary was on to something. Because we have the lawyer that's so consumed about himself. We have Martha that's so caught up in everything that she's got to get done and being busy, busy, busy all the time. They both miss Jesus. But then we got Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, at his feet. You know, in John 13, verse 34, Jesus says, uh, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. As I have loved you. So where is the power in all this? It's right there. It's right there. Just as I have loved you. What does this tell us? This tells us that as a community, as men and women who are striving to know God, what he's all about, that this is what it's about. We need to memorize, we need to refresh and rehearse and, and be immersed in all the ways that Jesus loves you. You know, Mary, she's sitting there and she's mesmerized by Jesus. She's listening to him talk. She, she's not even worried about the social environment of the situation because she's just standing there going, I've heard all this stuff out of the Torah, but the way you say it is amazing, and I just want you to keep talking. And I don't, I don't even think Mary realized it, but I bet you she was changing just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary figured it out. Mary figured out if I sit at this man's feet, he's gonna teach me how to live. He's gonna teach me how to love. He's gonna teach me how to be more than I feel like I am. So I'm gonna stay right here. I don't care about what everybody else thinks. I don't care about my nagging sister. I don't, I'm gonna sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, I wanna show you guys this picture. And, uh, the, the woman in the middle, her name is uh, Sydney Johnson. 
And, and you guys might not know her. If you've served at teen camp, you've probably met her. But AJ and Sydney are some of my family's best friends. These are them in the middle. My parents are there, and Sylvie and I are it's us at Disneyland. Uh, Sydney Johnson battled breast cancer for 15 years. She passed away Monday morning. She, uh, she passed in her sleep next to her husband. And I, I went to the memorial yesterday with my family. My parents flew in from Seattle, and Sylvia and I drove over there. And it was really hard at first because I'm sitting there, and I'm watching her husband. He's my dad's best friend. I'm watching her sons. He's crying. And, and I battled with these feelings of, man, why? 15 years of battling cancer, and all of a sudden, But as I saw almost a thousand people flood this room, they stood in the back, they stood in the hallways, they had to live stream her memorial so that people who wanted to attend could see it. And what was amazing is she she knew time was coming, so she essentially planned her own memorial service, and all she wanted was for people to have fun and praise God. So for two hours, we sang worship songs together, People shared about her impact on this world, and then it clicked. I looked around this room, and everybody in that room was there because they felt loved by Sydney. They were impacted by the way she loved them. And that wasn't just because she was born with that kind of love. That's because first, she connected with how much Christ loved her. And once she engaged with that, once she grew confident and and completely immersed herself in all the ways Jesus lathered her in his love, it started streaming out of her uncontrollably. There was people from all stages of life in there, all different geographical lands, ages, races. I mean, everybody in there was touched by this woman's love. And that's because she learned what it meant to be at the feet of Jesus, being confident and assured of how much he loved her so she had the freedom to love whoever she came into contact with. I don't feel sad for Sydney because Sydney, Sydney's going to a good place. What I do feel sad for is that that love can sometimes feel like it's hard to find. And I'm not preaching to you guys like you need to do. I'm sitting here going, man, I need to be like that. I need to love with the love of Christ. But first, I've got to sit at his feet. I've got to be so in tune with how much Jesus loves me. What I felt last week when Rich was preaching was, man, I don't think we know as a church how much Jesus really loves us. I think we can get caught up in the me Christianity, the fire insurance. And I'm not saying everybody all the time, but I think it can be a pattern. I think we could be like Martha. Church is over. I'm out. Got to get stuff done. And we're so caught up in these different reasons for being a Christian that we miss Jesus. You know, if the solution to our world's problems was just being a good Samaritan, being a good person, our world would have changed by now. It's not. The solution 
is knowing how much the good Samaritan Jesus loves you. And with that love, because you're so fired up, it gets you want to go, man, I just want to talk about him. I want to share other people about him. I want to go to coffee and show someone about Jesus. I want to tell my neighbor. I want to, I want to tell everyone who will listen about how much Jesus loves them. That will change the world. Not just being a good Samaritan. You could get on the news for being a good Samaritan. You could change the world for following the good Samaritan, knowing how much he loves you and being at his feet. I want to ask you guys some of these questions. As you're sitting here today, how, how may you be missing Jesus? Maybe you're like the, the lawyer, where, where you're kind of in all this for you. Well, I got to go to church. That's how you get to heaven. I don't want to go to hell, so that's why I go. How are you missing Jesus? Maybe you're like Martha. You're so caught up in your life. You're so caught up in your own ambition that you're just missing Jesus. And if your life was focused on his love for you, how would that change you? If you were just so consumed, you were so beaming with the love of Christ that you're so confident he has for you, how would your life change today? I mean, even walking away from this church service, knowing that Jesus loves you so much that it's not about doing, it's not about achieving or being something that's impossible to be, but it's simply about being at his feet. How does that change who you are? I do believe that the call is to be like Mary, is to be like Sidney Johnson, to be in awe of the love that Jesus has for us, so much so that it changes us. It changes the way we think. It should change the way we act. It should change the way we love. This kind of love would change families. It would change businesses. It would change homes. It would change colleges. It would change your kids. It would impact our entire community more than a Facebook page. But it's... Thank you for listening to the IE Church of Christ podcast. If you would like to connect, you can follow us at iechurch.com or look up IE Church Riverside on Facebook for more information.